it's really difficult to find great executives. Spirit Consulting helps organizations find all-star executives and hire the right one using work psychology so you can serve more customers and grow your business. To get a free quote, go to spiritmco.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the podcast. So excited to be able to have Jillian on the episode today. Oh man, I am just so, I've been looking forward to this all week. So excited to be able to be here with you. Uh, Jillian, can you tell us who are you? Yes, thank you, Chris, for having me, first of all. Um, I uh, am a hospital CEO. I'm a healthcare strategist. I am a mom. I'm a wife. Uh, I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a servant leader of other people. That's how I describe myself. Which role is your favorite? Mom. (laughs) (laughs) My kids are four and one. And so it is uh, a lot of fun right now. (laughs) <laughs> don't tell my husband though <laughs> <laughs> have, there, have there been any recent memories where you're just like where they've just have just completely blown you away with like the life lessons from trying to you know try to parent a, a four and one year old those those ages are fun yeah you know I think uh, before you have kids uh, there's an order to your life Uh, There is an order to how you do things and you have an expectation of how things flow and happen. And then you have one kid and that order goes a little out of the window. You have, I'm imagining anything more than one because I only have two uh, and the order goes out the window. (laughs) The whole order is um, about enjoying the time with them. I think is the lesson that I've learned. Uh, It's not about how clean the house is or how in order the process of the day goes. It's about, did we love each other? Did we learn something together? Um, And did we have an appreciation for the time that we had together? Right. And so uh, my house is not as neat as it would be. And everything doesn't happen the way I would like it to happen as a as an organizer and leader in many other aspects of my life. But um, I love all my kids and they love on me and we come out okay because of that. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing because that really like hits it hard <laughs> for me, both as, both as a ball. I mean, cause that, that principle transcends both at work and then also at home. Right. Because it's like as a leader, we're usually moving really quick. And so sometimes our staff also are not moving at the same pace and it's easy to want to like jump in and want to just like clean up the mess for them, you know, instead of like taking that hands-off approach, but that also applies the same at home because it's like, you have that option to either love them on purpose and give them the space to basically fail and grow or to be that helicopter micromanaging parent that's like, oh, I'm just going to do your laundry for you. I'm going to do everything for you. But then they, you're stunting their own growth and development. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. Absolutely. And it just reminds you also have fun at work too. Have fun with the people that you work with as you, as you um, let, love on them enough to let them fail forward, right? Um, sometimes we forget that in our work, right? We need to have fun with the people that we work with every day. Mm. Awesome. So, uh, Jillian, how did you get to the leadership position that you're in today? Oh, okay. So, is it okay? Maybe I'll start back in college even. I went to Oakland University. Oh, yeah. Give us the story. I want the story. Okay. Okay. So, I, um, I went to Oakland University. I did not declare a major till I was a junior. 
and I did economics and international business with a minor in languages, specifically Spanish. I had no idea what I wanted to do with it, but I loved to travel. Um, and I liked economics. That was one of the intro classes that I got into, right? Macro uh, and microeconomics, and they were cool, right? So I didn't know what I was going to do, but that's what I was majoring in. And I was on a four-year scholarship. And so I had to finish something in four years was the goal. Um, then I did a summer internship at a hospital in Florida. And keep in mind, like, I have family in healthcare. So my mother's a physician. I had nurses that were um, aunts that were nurses. Um, and so I knew healthcare as an industry, but a lot from the clinical side. Um, and so I went to do the summer internship, never really realizing what role I could play in healthcare, because I didn't want to be a, a, a direct bedside caregiver. Um, that's a whole nother story. My anatomy classes were not kind to me. <laughs> Those cadavers have a whole nother situation going on. But um, I found in that summer internship that what I enjoyed in economics and business could add value to healthcare, right? So an industry in which I grew up admiring and thinking was a cornerstone to a community, uh, I can now be a part of was kind of what happened for me that summer. I realized you can be a part of this industry in a way that you serve, right? So I went back to college my senior year and changed my major to healthcare administration um, and, uh, and still needed to graduate in that four year time period. So took all the appropriate classes and doubled down that senior year to complete my degree. Um, so then I went and applied uh, for a residency fellowship program uh, with Advent Health. Um, and so have, uh, did that three year program uh, got, at the same time getting my master's degree, I went to UCF, University of Central Florida, got my MBA with a concentration in finance. Uh, and then the third year of that uh, residency program, I ended up in uh, the Chicago market with Advent Health. Mm -hmm. And we helped, I helped uh, build a hospital. So a Greenfield hospital um, that we put up there. And that was a wonderful experience. Uh, and I ended up staying there for uh, uh I always counted in winters when you lived in, when I lived in Chicago, <laughs> winters, <laughs> I stayed in Chicago, uh, helping open that hospital. So doing everything from wayfinage signing, signage and uh, furniture to recruitment of medical staff and associates uh, to building programs. So I was the assistant to the president and the CEO when I first started uh, out of my residency program there and then became the director of ambulatory and support services uh, through transitions there and built programs and uh, had a lot of the ancillary departments. Uh, once I left Chicago, so I'm from the Southeast, born in Tennessee, raised in Georgia and Alabama. And so I had to get some more sunshine in my life. <laughs> so I moved um, back to Florida and was the, uh, did a director role for strategy and business development for a few years, uh, built some programs at a hospital um, in Orlando, and then became the chief operating officer for that hospital. Uh, interesting uh, transition there. I didn't, that wasn't necessarily my intention. I was interimly holding that role while we were looking for a replacement. And uh, my boss brought me into the office one day and said, I think I found someone. And I'm like, oh, okay, who is it? You know, when do we get to interview this person? They, he said, I think I'm looking at her. And I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but, you know, one of the uh, pieces of advice that he gave me or the things that he said to me was, Jillian, you know, there's a couple ways to do interim, right? You can just hold it together, right? And make sure that it's ready for the next person or you can work to make progression and change. And you seem to want to do the latter. Um, and so I 
have you considered this role? Uh, and um, I hadn't, and I went back and thought about it and realized the last three months have been so much fun, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I had grown so much. And so uh, I interviewed for it, uh, became the chief operating officer at that hospital, and then the VP for strategy and new markets for the division was the role I took after that. I did that for a little while and then moved out here to Colorado uh, and became the president and CEO of Avista Adventist Hospital and then transitioned a couple of years later right here to a Littleton Adventist Hospital as the CEO. Wow. Awesome. So that's kind of been the journey. <clears throat> so, so yeah, my follow-up question to that is when did you know that you had the goods to be a hospital CEO? I don't, I guess when I started interviewing for a CEO job, I I, I don't, um, my philosophy on my career development has really been to pick roles that I know I will enjoy doing, right? And that I will add value to the organization. Back to that fun fun principle again. Yeah, if I will enjoy it and I will learn from it and I will add value, um, then I will do good work is, is how I look at it. And I think when you do good work, you are fulfilled and, an oppor- and opportunities tend to come, right? And so uh, it wasn't always about the next role. It was about the current role and, and being fulfilled and adding value in that role and then knowing what you're good at and using those things as a leverage uh, or as a lever to assess what the next role potentially could be. So it, for me, hasn't always needed to be or have to be a hospital CEO, but this is the path that I've gone on thus far. Uh, and so, you know, by the time I was interviewing, I knew I had the goods. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for, for sharing. Yeah, I was just thinking about like those that are kind of like going up that journey as you kind of just showed the the trajectory as to like how each step came along that pathway. Thank you for sharing in that way. And just thinking about maybe younger professionals that haven't been able to be at that level yet, but you know, sometimes there are some doubts of like, hmm, like, is that like, should I apply for this? And, and do I have the ability to move into that CEO position? And uh, yeah, I was just curious, but that's funny that you kind of mentioned that it was more so for you has been, has been about like, Will I be able to add value? Am I going to have fun? Am I going to be fulfilled? And, and the, you know, kind of the titles hasn't really been as part of the, more so the consideration as to your primary motivations. Yeah, and I think if you're having fun, adding value um, and, and fulfilled, you'll do better work, right? And so um, therefore you'll be better at the job whatever it is that you've taken, right? And, and doing things that you know that you're good at. The other thing that I, I guess w- I would say tan- tangibly that I think helped me understand that I could do the role is, can you lead through other people? Because a CEO role, you're, you're not doing everything, right? That has to be done. And you're also not thinking of everything that has to be done, right? Um, and so can you lead through other executives? and give them the, um, the guidance, but also the freedom to be creative and innovative to solve the problem. And if you can do that and coach people into those spaces, I think, you know, you certainly um, can go to whatever that next level is. Awesome. Well, thank you for the, the wisdom shared there. 
<laughs> so Adventist is a faith-based organization. So what does that mean for you? How do you live the gospel every day while at work? Mm. Um, you know, so I appreciate that question because I think part of uh, my reason for working in faith-based healthcare, that summer internship I was telling you about, I also realized um, compared to other internships I had done, I was able to, I didn't have to put a part of myself on a shelf mm-hmm. Monday through Friday, eight to five, right? I could be my whole self all the time and live um, authentically in that. And so what that looks like for me at work um, is it starts with love, right? It starts with love and service um, and, and figuring out um, where I can serve, who I can serve, and how I can love them. And sometimes that, in, it, many times, <laughs> that requires you to share your own stories, right? To share of yourself uh, and your journey and your path, your experiences, the good ones and the bad ones, really more the bad ones, <laughs> right? So that people can see the humanity in you um, and the love uh, that you are willing to offer them right? Um, I think that's how it shows up uh, at work every day. Um, and quite honestly, whether you, whether people realize it or not, you do a lot of that through coaching people, right? Um, mm-hmm. As a leader of leaders, a lot of your work is in development of other people, is in um, uh, helping those people be successful um, towards, towards the work that you're looking to accomplish. And so while you're coaching them, listening and loving on them, right? And being of service to them in ways that help them continue to develop. Um, and that has to do uh, somewhat with like sharing your mistakes, right? And, and why you might counsel them on, on not approaching something a certain way or, or approaching something a different way, right? So I do think that um, really uh, looking to love and to serve uh, each person who is before you in the moment and giving them that attention is part of how the gospel shows up to me um, at work every day uh, that I come to work. Can you think about, just as a follow-up to that, can you think of a time where that really resonated for someone when you were just being your genuine self, when you were willing to actually share some of your struggles where it it maybe impacted someone um, to to, and not necessarily like, I'm not saying like evangelize them and maybe that was the end thing, but just in essence, like impact them and inspire them to maybe, you know, do things differently or to grow and develop. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I, um, I often say like we're at faith-based hospitals, um, my whole career. Uh, but I don't necessarily think of our work as evangelism to your point, but I do think that when you show people love, they want to know more right, about where that love comes from and why you are able to um, exude that, what creates that for you. And so that does open the door, right, for conversations about um, your faith walk, what you believe and why you believe it, um, uh, and, your, you know, your stories of success and learnings. Um, and so um, I tend to mentor um, young female executives hmm. or young, young female leaders. And um, sometimes there is a struggle about 
how to fit in to an environment where your level of representation uh, may not be as strong and, and that creates a discomfort for you potentially and how to um, add your individual value, right? And that can kind of, um, those can be conflicting uh, desires. And so I think of a particular young lady who uh, felt pretty defeated in her current situation as to how, how she would be able to um, really be her authentic self, right? At a table where she wasn't sure it was received, right? And so really sharing with her um, my own experiences, but also um, helping her make sure she knew how God saw her, right? Mm -hmm. To say, that's the confidence you go into that room with, right? That's how you show up at that table. And it doesn't create arrogance, but it creates confidence and security uh, so that you can be courageous, right? In a space where it's challenging. Um, and sharing with her, my own struggle in that, because I think sometimes when people see you show up, they think you've always been that way, or that you've always, it's like natural, and it's easy, and you're not nerve-wracked. So as interesting, I often tell people, I public speaking is not my favorite thing, but it was one of those things where it's part of the gig, you better get used to it, um, <laughs> or you're gonna have to do something else, right? Um, and so I get butterflies, right? And they're like, really? Absolutely, right? I, I um, get nervous when going into certain situations or conversations. And so, and this is how I handle it, right? So I think helping to make a bridge between people that are doing it today also still have some of those challenges that, you, that you're experiencing, but there's a way to overcome it, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, it's a reminder of starting with um, how my heavenly father sees me as his child, and reminding me, reminding myself, he doesn't love me any differently than the person I'm sitting across from, right? And so that does create a level of value within yourself at the table um, that says we're both children of God, right? And so we both have something unique to bring to the table that God is appreciative of and loves and created in us. Right. And so um, for her, that allowed her to sit at a table that she otherwise wasn't going to sit at. <laughs> right. And to take a chance on herself and believe in her ability to go forward. And the, it was really uh, to uh, interview for a particular role. And she accomplished her goal and was offered that position. Right? Yes. Let's go. I love that empowerment and coaching and that vulnerability to share that. Because I, I think about, that's just so wise. that, And I really don't think about that that frequently because even just thinking about for my own direct reports, that there are some, there are these places that I've had to develop as a leader to be able to do the work that I'm doing today. But just like being able to go back to where, you know, where they are <laughs> recognizing that some of these things of those butterflies and nervousness or apprehension, or maybe not, you know, not having the same self-confidence, all that stuff was present. And even today it can show up and manifest itself. And so what do you do with that? 
And uh, so, yeah, I really love that. And, and thank you for sharing. I'm just curious before we kind of move on, <laughs> like we're sitting in the area of like, okay, so what, what are some of the things that we've had to overcome? Just curious if there's, if there's other vices that you can think of that you've had to overcome as a leader in order to be in your present leadership style today. Now a word from our sponsors. Have you been feeling unfulfilled? One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. A charity that I've grown to love, River of Light, food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel knowing that you're helping feed homeless children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, please visit riveroflightchicago.org. Again, that URL is riveroflightchicago.org. No one should go to bed hungry. Um. Uh, yeah, so I, I would say, you know the saying um, or the quote, we judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And what that really does is it leads to a level of judgment about people's intentions. And um, I struggled with that for a while because I think that if you're, judging, if you're not going under the water, as they say, to better understand people's beliefs and their value systems and why they're doing what they're doing, and you're just judging the action, you're judging that action on your own below the water, your own values and beliefs and um, intentions, right? And if they're not aligned with theirs, then it doesn't, you judge the decision, right? And then therefore the person and sometimes their integrity, right? And so sometimes I would find myself being a little bit black and white, not living in the gray and, and saying, hey, they did this, so they, may, they must believe or think why because they did X. And the more I realized that I needed to get um, under the water, understand why did you do that? Like, tell me your story. Help me understand your belief system that's led you to that. Um, it opens my eyes to provide more grace, the grace we all want, right? Because we all are going to make mistakes or do things um, and people read the intention differently. But it allows me to start with grace through learning this, like not being judgmental, showing more grace to people, um, as well as maybe helping um, coach them, right? And saying, okay, let's talk about the value system in which, in which we make um, decisions, right? And how we need to make sure that we're aligned in that space and what that means um, for others. Um, so I, I think um, really working on um, judging people for their intentions and not just um, their behavior, but understanding the connection between those two uh, is something I've uh, worked on. Mm because it was hanging me up, I think, a little bit. It stops you from working with all types of people and bringing out the, and appreciating the value that all different types of people have to, have to bring to the table when you judge. Julian, I just like cried a little tear from my heart there. <laughs> like, oh man, I was just like completely, woo. I'm just like wrecked from that. Um, yeah, because uh, just, just thinking about it's so easy to to you know when you when you progress into the kingdom it's so easy to forget the struggle the struggles um before the blessing and 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 like you're saying judge other people 
and judge their their actions instead of like their intentions and looking thinking through like having that real empathy to say like okay what's going on because that ultimately becomes the uh the the stage for ministry and for loving them because if you you don't have that empathy to be able to say like okay well what let's pull back the covers here and you know hurt people hurt people heal people heal people so if these people are acting this way they're hurting in some way so what yeah, and sometimes they don't understand sorry you yeah, know go ahead go ahead well and sometimes they don't understand the implications of their behavior so if my intention starts here but this is my behavior do you know the implications of that behavior and does that line up with your intention and if that is like many times i've been able to have that conversation and they're like whoa no that's not what i intended for my behavior to how my, I intended my behavior to impact, right? And so it helps them grow and draw connections to their own story, right? And their own below the water intentions and belief system and how that drives their actions and then what outcome their actions get for them, right? And so um, it allows you to, to have the grace, but also help them continue to develop because everybody's not gonna judge them on their intention right in the real world people are um judging on behaviors and you you really want to make sure that you're under your intention is what lives out right through your behaviors and sometimes we have to take a a different path there um intentionally uh whether we know it or not Hmm. well awesome Wow. That that's, I think that's, this has been like one of the deepest, um, I could, I just like am getting a little snippet into your, your prayer life and then in the, in your discernment journey, um, because that that's really deep. And I think you've probably given me one of the deepest responses to the vices question. So, oh man, I just love it. I love it. So good. So good. Um, so, so now we've kind of fleshed out some of the, those struggles. Let's dive onto the other side. What do you think are some of the natural giftings that you've received or virtues that come naturally to you that you feel like you're getting to a master level? Yeah. Master feels like a strong word to me because I'm a, a, a lifelong learner, right? And I like, I'm like, feel like I'm always on the journey. And it's interesting because some of them I feel like are ones that I've been working on for a long time. Because <laughs> right, so, yeah, if we if we brand ourselves that, you know, there's going to be some sort of trial that you've got to. Exactly. So I don't put that out in the universe quite yet. Right, um, right. Master level. But I, I think I am gifted with persistence. Hmm. Um. I feel like there have been uh, instances where I've been knocked down or told no, or, or this is not the way to go. And I think uh, I work to reimagine it, right? Work to understand why people don't think something I want to do is maybe a value or the timing isn't right. And um, uh, persistence, I think I've been gifted with uh, such that I'm not taking it personally and not quitting right? I'm trying to figure out how to still meet that need that I see that's out there, but maybe in a different way or in a way that is more palatable or acceptable or embraced. Um, I would also say uh, I've been gifted with um, authenticity and vulnerability. And I it's been a journey for me, though, to be honest. I felt like uh, there was a, a significant part of my career early on where I did not always share um, myself. I, I think before I became, 
as I started to realize in leading other leaders, right, when you aren't the expert, right? So when I became the chief operating officer for the first time, I had a lot of departments for which I was clearly not the operational or clinical expert. I have no clinical training, right? Mm -hmm. But I had emergency departments and surgical services and imaging and, and, and all the support services of which I had never done any of their jobs before, mm. right? And so that is a humbling thought, right? And if you want to be effective in supporting ultimately the vision of what you have to be created, right, there, you got to figure out how to engage and lead with those people. And I had a, um, a simulation exercise when I became the COO and I was at the same hospital. So there were several people that I had worked with for a few years, right. As the business development and strategist. Um, but I became their boss and they said some things in that assimilation exercise that really opened my eyes. They said, we don't know who you are. I mean, they didn't use those words, but they, they said, we don't know about you outside of the four walls of this building. And I said, well, what do you mean? They're like, you know, all we know is um, what you do when you're here and when you're emailing us when you're not here. <laughs> right? Well, and, and we're kind of like, does she expect us to respond at 10 o'clock at night? Right? Um, and so really realizing the impact, then again, of my behaviors, right? That my intention was, no, you don't have to e uh, email at 10 o'clock at night. But uh, that's when I do my second round of work because I would go home, work to exercise. I was in school and do some other things. And then I get back to the email, right? Well, they had, they were in a different phase of life. They had families, right? And so 10 o'clock at night, they're about to go to bed, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so uh, the implications of my decisions uh, or my actions are what I was having to watch. And so I realized the more they could know about my heart, and the more they can know about uh, who I really was and what I value and what I see as important, the better relationship we would be able to have. Um, and so it started my journey on, on really trying to live authentically um, and be vulnerable to people um, and to say, hey, like, let's talk about this in the, in the emergency department. I don't see this going well, but I'm not going to pretend like I have the answer right? What, what do you think is the answer? How do we go after achieving this goal? Do you think this is the right goal? If we agree this is the right goal, how do we get there, right? Because we, we've got a long journey to make, right? Um, but versus, you know, telling people what to do and not being humble enough or vulnerable enough to say, um, I don't have the full solution. Let's work together, right? And so that, that combination of starting the journey of authenticity and vulnerability have really been um, a wonderful eye-opening journey for me. Um, and it really, what others have told me is that it draws people to you because you're not faking it anymore, right? You're not, you're not trying to pretend like you know something you don't know. Um, but you are also, it also builds confidence in what you do know, right? Hmm. Um, and so that balance of, I know what I know, I'm going to bring that to the table and work to add value. I'm going to be authentically who I am. So you can see my heart and my intention, and I'm going to be vulnerable enough to say what I don't know. Right. And we're going to go figure it out together. And so that journey is something that I've gotten better and better at, um, every year. Uh, and I was scared to do it at first because I thought that it meant I wasn't capable or that people would think I wasn't capable or competent. Um, and 
that was what was holding me back, I think. And I think it's, I didn't see a ton of it around me, right? But um, I think it's been a journey, a beautiful journey for me personally. It's created fulfillment for me uh, through my career. Hmm. So yeah, I'm just, I have a friend who's a, who's a, a vice president at, a, at an organization. And um, that's something that he's opened up to me many times that he's just struggles with this area that being able to be vulnerable to share like actually what's going on and uh, share, you know, just, just to do exactly what you just said is, and that's a, that's a real struggle. And to your point that like, if you're putting up those walls of like, I know everything and I've got it all figured out, telling people that, et cetera, then you can also get to the root of like actually being able to accomplish, to be able to grow to the area that you're looking to grow in. So, wow. And I just, and then the other trend that I've just been seeing a lot lately is a lot of people are talking about, you know, showing up authentically. And uh, so that just, you know, and it's interesting to think about like how the world is, you know, we, I, I don't mean to put her on blast, but there's a celebrity recently that, you know, is, is stepping down from a major like talk show that she's been a part of. And, and like, you know, the whole thing is about love and compassion. And then basically like everyone's finding out that she, that's like behind the scenes, that's the, that's the exact opposite of the way that she's showing up. So, so I guess that's just kind of been one of the struggles that I've been seeing or thinking about too, when we talk about authenticity is like, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Jillian, but I also see that like, if we're talking about being our authentic selves, I guess we have to do as leaders, we have to make sure that the people that we're bringing into the organizations too are like holding those same values as us, because if not, then, you know, if you're someone showing up authentically, but that's also like against the grain of the value systems that we're trying to portray, then that could be like a bad thing for the organization as well, which is a little bit of a tangent beyond what you just said. So sorry for that. It's just been on kind of my heart and just thinking about it because I, I've been struggling a little bit, like thinking about like, you know, as we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and like how some organizations like are not valuing that. And then we say, oh, we love all people. But then when you look at the highest levels, it's just not to be that way at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it's like, well, some people are going, oh, well, we need to show up authentically. Like that'll change it. But like at the end of the day, if there's still race. I mean, so I'm talking about racism now, but we could also dive into any sort of things of like, you know, any sort of vices or things that are ugly, whether that be like, you know, uh, lying or stealing or like if, if that if those types of values come into the organization and you're you're being authentic it's just not the authenticity that we're wanting in the organization that that's not going to be you know a fix-all for for that either and now bringing that back into de and i if we're talking about like being our authentic selves but you have a racist upbringing then ooh, then that's not the authenticity that we're looking to build in the organization either Absolutely. So uh, you bring up a lot of great points because um, I, I think, so I think first off, if, if I think about authenticity, right, and leading with authenticity and being your authentic self, I think it starts at the top, right? So I can't expect people to do it if I'm not going to do it, right? And so uh, I think I have to model it, right? I think I also need to hire people who have a value system uh, that is representative of the values I'm trying to express in the organization. And if I mishire, right, 
and someone showing up authentically with their value system is not aligned with the value system of the organization. We just need to say, hey, I mishired. Cut, cut the cord. <laughs> right? This was not the right fit for the organizational values and the personal values. When they do not connect in a leadership position, particularly, it's not going to work. Now, candidly, I'd rather them still be authentic so I know that as soon as possible, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of times that shows itself for me personally through an interview process, right? And listening to people like my executive assistant and how that person interacted with them, right? I've recently gone through this hiring a CMO, a chief medical officer. And there were people in that interview process, we had a very good and diverse slate, but there were people in that interview process who did not make it past me or past other rounds in the interviews because of how they treated my executive assistant, mm. how they communicated with her, how they um, responded to her or not, and how they interacted with her um, because she wasn't a C-suite person. And I feel like that's interview one-on-one, -on -one, right? Like everybody knows <laughs> that, that you need to treat the person's executive assistant well, right? When you're interviewing, you should be on your best behavior. And if this is your best behavior, we've got a long way to go. Mm. right because my first criteria in hiring that CMO um, role was always I want a great human being I want a person whose value system aligns with the values that we're working towards living out in this organization right so I still want you to be authentic because then I can more quickly find out whether you're right <laughs> aligns or not right yes. um, and then uh, yeah. honestly when you live that way people see that and they that allows me the opportunity to course correct to say I made a mistake and this person doesn't need to be here anymore and and it becomes very clear to people why I made that decision mm -hmm. right because they were authentically living out who they were and they can see that was not aligned with where we're going in this organization so it works for me in both ways right because I'm, I'm not going to be afraid to address it um, because it's a complete derailer if you don't, right? right? And so uh, hopefully I catch that in the interview process, but if I don't, I, I want to know early on because um, I want to rectify that. Um, and then I also say that means we have to put our money where our mouth is, right? If I say I want um, uh, diversity or that I want people with certain values or that I want, then you need not settle till you have it. Right. Uh, and so and, and realizing if it's uh, of utmost importance to you to have um, uh, a certain value system or a certain uh, aspect of diversity or diversity as a part of your your team, you're going to figure out a way to make sure that's included. Right. Um, in that final candidate or in that final candidate pool, uh, because otherwise you're not you're not, your actions aren't matching what you said your values uh, system is. Um, and so that is an aspect of being an authentic in and of itself, right? So you either lied about the values, <laughs> right? <laughs> or you aren't having the courage to live them out. Hmm. And um, at a senior executive role, both are a challenge, right? Because sometimes, both, both would be a challenge. So, um, I do still believe that that authenticity is key. It shows you what you really have to, you know, in people. Um, it, it endears people to you. And really, in, my, in, in the healthcare industry, uh, and, and in most places, right, people are following people, right? So if, as a leader, um, they want to see, yes, your vision and your direction, but they want to see your humanity too, right? Right. Um, 
uh, particularly in healthcare, I guess. I mean, I don't, ha- I don't have experience from other industries, but uh, we are people serving people, right, in healthcare. And so um, there is a human element of what we do. And so they want to see that humanity in their leadership too. Awesome. Well, yeah. So thank you for sharing because I just, I think that's probably even just more so it, I know this is such a, a critically like important topic right now in the state of the world right now, but, and I'm getting asked it a lot too, and in, in just interacting and networking. So always love to kind of like expand that, that thought. And uh, yeah, so that was beautiful. Thank you for sharing Jillian. Um, so yeah. Do you mind if I uh, close us out in prayer? Or would you like to leave? I'd love to pray. Okay, great. Awesome. Dear Lord, we uh, are grateful for this day, for this time we've been able to fellowship and spend together. Focused on leadership, but focused on leadership that is steeped in uh, our love for you. Our love for uh, your gift of life, eternal life for us. Our love and appreciation for uh the influence that knowing you has on our walk while we're here on earth. Lord, we ask a special blessing today on the audience, on Chris, on myself and our families. We ask that you continue to uh, watch over us, guide us, and be that still small voice that helps us on our path. We're grateful for your love, for your guidance, for your support. Lord, help us be the light in the spaces that we walk so that we can draw people closer to you. We love you, Lord. Amen. Awesome. Well, uh, last question. How can people get a hold of the work that you're doing, Jillian? Uh, Probably the easiest way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Jillian Shelton McKinney um, on LinkedIn. And we will add that to the show notes as well. Hope you have an incredible uh, weekend and we look forward to continuing the dialogue with you as well. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed the episode where we discussed all things going bald. (laughs) Just joking. If you enjoyed the episode and the podcast, will you please subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Or you could also share it with a friend. That would be tubular. I hope you have an awesome day.